IBN is proud to bring you the following podcast. Welcome to Deconstructed. I'm T.J. O'Hara, the principal political analyst for IBN, the independent voter news. Our goal on Deconstructed is to break down important political issues with outstanding guests so you can develop your own more informed opinion. My guest today is Andy Moore, the executive director of NANR, the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers, who also serves as an entrepreneur in residence with Price College of Business at the University of Oklahoma. In addition, Mr. Moore is the founder of Let's Fix This, a nonpartisan organization that builds civic engagement and power for political reform. And he's also the founder of an organization called People Not Politicians, which campaigned to end gerrymandering in Oklahoma. Mr. Moore joins me today to discuss the path he's traveled and the progress being made by the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers, which is dedicated to achieving structural election reform in the public interest. Welcome to Deconstructed, Andy. Thanks, TJ. Glad to be here. Andy, I encounter a lot of people in the reform movement who are poli-sci grads, attorneys, even history or English majors, but you have an unusual background. You have a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, a Master of Arts in Marriage and Family Therapy, and an MBA in entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial studies. What attracted you to the world of political reform? Yeah, that's a good question. I never imagined that I would end up working in this kind of field when I went to college. I actually went to college to be a minister and pretty quickly realized that was not the right path for me. But I was really attracted to psychology and kind of what makes humans tick, right? How we develop our personalities, how we become who we are. And so went down that course and kind of took the natural step to become a licensed therapist. I still am a licensed professional counselor. And while I don't see any patients right now, I did that for about 10 years and really enjoyed it. I mostly saw individuals uh, and a lot of marriage counseling. I really like working with couples and, and the dynamics that are there in a relationship. But through my work, I kept seeing my clients bumping up against systemic problems at the community level or at the state level. I worked in community mental health with folks with severe and chronic mental illness, and they were often limited by the rules and the laws that governed everything from their health insurance to the services that were available to them. You know, they had a lot of interfacing with state government agencies and a lot of limitations there. And so through seeing that, it felt to me, like I can only make so much of an impact on them as individuals, right? We how to cope with those systems. And at some point, I think I became frustrated enough that I began subconsciously looking for career opportunities in some of those agencies so that I could help make change at a community or a state level. And I did. After doing that, I worked in public health. I actually managed the infectious diseases clinic at the University of Oklahoma, uh, which primarily works with folks living with HIV. And again, a group that intersects with a lot of public health agencies, state and federal funding programs. And again, started seeing these you know broader state and national limitations that really inhibited people's ability to succeed in life. And because of that, I started getting more involved here in my home state of Oklahoma, working on advocacy, really just getting people to show up at the Capitol to meet their legislators and probably to go back to my roots as a counselor to build relationships with their elected officials, people who often feel far away and distant from everyday life. And in doing that, 
realized that there was a great way that we could all make some change at a high level, right? About how policies are made. But to do that, we probably need to reform some of these systems because the system we have is not set up for independent voters. It's not set up for voters in general. It is set up to maintain the power of two large parties and all of the political industrial complex that surrounds it. And that always struck a chord with me because I got into this work through a long road of trying to help people. And here I am having to reform systems so that we can back down and make that change at the individual or the family level. And so it's been really rewarding. But again, I don't know that I could, it makes sense looking backwards, but I could not have forecast this, you know, 20 years ago when I was in college. Andy, you had already started Let's Fix This, whose mission is to educate and equip all Oklahomans to actively engage with their government. What motivated you to join the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers? Yeah, so I started Let's Fix This in 2016 in response to enormous budget shortfall here in Oklahoma that we were short about $1.5 billion, and it was resulting in really significant cuts to every state agency. At the time, every state agency in Oklahoma had been cut by an average of 40% over 10 years, so almost half. And I started talking to legislators and, and folks that had been involved about how we got there and what had happened. And a lot of them pointed to some of our, you could call them archaic laws around elections and governance and started understanding about government dysfunction in a way that I had never really considered. Everything from you know how primary elections operate, right? How they restrict who can actually vote in elections, why we have so much money that flows into politics from businesses, from wealthy individuals, and how often regular voters are kind of pushed aside. <laughs> how we draw district lines to reflect where politicians live and maybe to keep them in office, regardless of where most voters live. A practice we'd call gerrymandering, right? And I'm sure most of your listeners are very familiar with that. And I had two options. One, I could just keep getting mad about it. Or two, I could find a way to get involved. Through this work, I met uh, people like John Opdyke at Open Primaries, Kara McCormick, who ran the Ranked Choice Voting Campaign in Maine. I worked with some people at Represent Us, kind of a number of organizations that happened to be members of Nanner and found out about this organization and thought, man, this is a great nexus of all of these really important issues. And after running our anti-gerrymandering campaign here, I got word that the position came open and I jumped at the chance. I was really excited to get in and to try to help other organizations around the country bring about these reforms that I'm convinced that every state would benefit from. There are a lot of organizations in the reform space, and a lot of them appear to be amalgamations of other organizations. What makes NANR different from those? Yeah. So our niche, right, is that we exist to help reformers. That is, we'll say the branch of the broad kind of democracy ecosystem that we refer to as reformers are the organizations that are actively working to reform some sort of structural electoral process, either at the city, state, or national level. And our role there is to be a trade association to help share best practices between organizations to help connect them to one another 
to help connect them to funding, to training, to vendors that will help them win those reforms wherever it is they're working. I think one of the things we don't do is you don't see Nanner, as we often call it. You don't see us out there promoting ourselves, and we're not even necessarily endorsing specific reforms. We often say, you know, we support reform in the abstract. There's a number of solutions to these core problems. We've helped folks identify the problems, and we're helping them bring about solutions to those problems because we know that the system as it is now does not work for most voters, does not work for most Americans, and we want to we want to help bring about a system that does. Now, a lot of the other organizations focus on reform-oriented organizations, which, as you call it, NANR does as well. But you also bring individuals in, don't you? Yeah, I mean, we certainly have some individuals that are kind of in our orbit. There's people like me in many states who are an individual who is passionate about reform and wants to be more plugged in and more supportive of the broader movement. Our main focus, though, is really targeted on organizations, big and small, who are actively working on reforms and trying to help them do their work more efficiently and more effectively. What type of resources do you provide for them to help that? Yeah, so we provide some just general training and education, right? We'd like to say that everything we do breaks down into three buckets. We do convening, connecting, and catalyzing. So on the convening side, we bring together thought leaders, academics, chief executives from reform organizations to help find areas of alignment, um, to find you know economies of scale, and help them get aligned not just on policies, but on actions and how they do their work. For a lot of states, you know, we see initiatives that are a combination of multiple types of reform, whether it's Final Five, that's a you know, combination of ranked choice voting and, and open primaries, or something like the Clean Missouri kind of omnibus bill that packaged a number of reforms, including you know, good government, anti-corruption measures together. Uh, and I think because there's that shared alignment, there's a good reason for us to do that convening to get people together get them on the same page. And then we connect them to training. You know, we later this spring, we're going to launch a leadership masterclass uh, because we heard from a number of members that they are looking for ways to educate and kind of train up the next generation of reform leaders, both on the, the nuts and bolts of their measure and maybe of the policy itself, but also just how to be a good leader, right? There's a lot that goes into it besides just passion for a cause. There's a lot of folks that are passionate, but then when you put that person in a role where they have to lead a group of people, there may be skills that they realize they needed to hone a bit better. And then we really help people connect with each other across state lines and across issue lines. So we hold a monthly kind of networking call where people from across the country can get together and we do little breakout rooms. Sometimes we break it out by geographic region, right? So maybe, you know, states in the Southeast can get together and states in the Northwest can get together because many times we see just because you live in a state doesn't mean your neighbors to the East or West are doing something markedly different. Often there's uh, lessons to be learned there. As we talk about policies, how they relate to regional standards, I think that makes sense for reform as well. And then we like to connect people along policy lines, right? So everybody in the country that's working on redistricting or everyone that's working on open primaries and just provide another resource there. There's a lot of reform groups that are 
small, still nascent, starting up. They're run by salt of the earth, really gritty people who are passionate about a cause, but they may not have the resources, the money, or the time to dedicate to it full-time just yet. And we want to help identify those groups and build them up so they can be, uh, because we know that the reforms we need, not just right now, but in five and 10 years from now, uh, those people are still out there. and We want to find them and kind of get them in the pipeline. Because the sooner we do, I mean, the more effective we are at training and building that kind of consensus and alignment, the more effective that this reform movement can be. Well, Andy, we're going to take a quick break and talk more about how we can fix our broken political system when we come back. The National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers is the only association of nonpartisan election reform leaders, organizations, and industry professionals dedicated to increasing electoral competition and voter choice. Learn more at nonpartisanreformers.org. Welcome back. My guest today is Andy Moore, founder of Let's Fix This and the executive director of the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers. Andy, we were talking about what Nanner does. And Nanner has some focus on specific issues. I'd like to address those over the next two segments. Their primary one on the website is to support elections that ensure majority outcomes. That sounds great. What's your focus? How do you actually accomplish that? Yeah, so there's several ways. I mean, I think that probably two biggest ones that jump out, I'll say three biggest ones are ranked choice voting or approval voting and open primaries, right? The current system of elections in most of the country is driven by partisan run primary elections where only people that are members of those parties get to vote. And then the winners from that go on to a general election. And that means that a huge swath, and in, in fact, an increasingly large swath of voters may not have the opportunity to vote in those primary elections. Independent voters like myself aren't allowed to vote in many primaries. And as that group gets voter you are approaching, right, a third or a half in some places of the voting electorate unable to cast their vote and cast their voice. And in, you know, some states like my home state of Oklahoma, we have a a huge chunk of elections that are decided in the primary, right? It's never a two-party or a three-party race. And that means that a majority of the electorate does not get to vote in that. And that is not the representative democracy that we have grown up to believe that we work in. Likewise, with ranked choice voting, you know, right now, a first past the post or winner take all election means that whoever gets the most votes at the end of the day is the winner. And that makes sense. And when works well, that's fine. But so often we feel like we're choosing between two bad candidates and we're having to pick the least bad one. Ranked choice voting and approval voting by a different mechanism. But the goal of those alternate voting methods is to allow voters to more fully express their preferences, right? And then through just the mathematics of tabulation, helping that outcome that reflects the will and the preferences of more people become the person that gets elected. It really is a more responsive and representative way to run our elections. What's your position on fair ballot access? I think most of our, uh, I say my position and, and that of most of our members is that everyone who's eligible to vote should be allowed to vote, right? I'll say how do I phrase this? I think you're either making it easier for people to vote or you're making it harder, right? Like those are the two options that we see playing out in states across the country, sometimes in the courts across the country. I see no reason why eligible voters should not be allowed to vote in a dream scenario, right? 
everyone who's eligible cast their ballot and we see what the majority wants, right? And, but that's not what happens. In you know, many states, we have turnout that is at only 50% or 60% of eligible voters that end up voting. Sometimes it's because getting to the ballot is difficult, you know, accessing the election day, places that have restrictive laws and rules around absentee voting. Those are ways to make it harder to vote. And I think that's the antithesis and the spirit of what the American democracy is about. Our founding fathers designed a system that was supposed to be inclusive and allow people to vote. Now, obviously, we've crossed some very significant barriers since the founding of the United States, uh, whether it's women or people of color and, and giving them, re-enfranchising them or enfranchising them in the first place, their ability to vote. But we still have a long way to go. And I think there's, you know, we're at a crossroads right now in America with some states that are doing the right thing, right? That are making it easier, expanding voting hours, expanding access, choosing reforms that allow more people's preferences to be counted. And we have the opposite. We have places that are restricting ballot times, days that they're open. And I think America's got some really important decisions to be made over the next couple of years. What type of framework would you put around those aspects of casting a vote? For example, early voting. How long should the period be? What's reasonable? What's not reasonable? Obviously, at some point in time, you have to draw a line and say, this is when the final vote is due in. How far can you inch it the opposite direction? How early is too early? Yeah, that's a really good question, TJ. I think in some states right now, you get two or three days of early voting, and maybe just for limited hours on those days. And I think in general, that's not enough, right? Some states have early voting that starts as early as a month before the formal election day. And that, I think, works great for those states. I think the consensus that I've heard right now is around two weeks, right? Including some weekend times and some evenings. But again, this is a decision I think that probably needs to reflect the preferences of the people on the ground in a given jurisdiction. And I think the idea, right, that politicians who are making the laws would talk to the public and say, what do you guys want? Like, what do you need? Instead of coming up with what the party needs or what they think is the best option to get the outcome that they're looking for, you know, our voting systems should be responsive to the voters. So I think, you know, somewhere in that probably two week to four week range is the sweet spot for a lot of folks. And we see this honestly across the globe and other countries that really do have more of an election season than election day. The idea, I think, increasingly that we have one single day for elections is not as relevant as it once was, right? And that's it doesn't reflect the world in which we live. It's always great to see states that are doing mandatory, or not mandatory, but automatic vote by mail where everyone gets mailed a ballot. And then you've got lots of time, right? You can turn it in by mail or in person at your convenience, and you still have the option to go vote in person. I think those kinds of scenarios are really great because it gives the most options to the most people. I think you've hit the critical issue, and that's that we should be discussing these things. North Carolina had three months of early voting in the last presidential election, and that would seem to be a bit extreme because a lot of things can transpire. In the world in which we live, you could have candidates in jail by that time, you know, in a three-month period. And you also have people who pass on, just to be honest about it. So you're actually creating an unusual electorate whose votes you're counting. 
So the problem is the parties don't allow that debate. So it's wonderful to hear that your organization is really focused on having an intelligent discussion of periods of time. I would assume you're doing the same thing relative to election integrity issues and so forth. We don't have that dialogue anymore because the parties preclude it. They craft solutions that fit their purpose as opposed to the purpose of the people. And it's wonderful to hear that Nanner's going the opposite direction and trying to engage people in the discussion. Now, Andy, we're going to take another quick break and talk more about Nanner's work when we come back. Looking for an insider's perspective? Join IVN's principal political analyst, Dr. T.J. O'Hara, as he deconstructs America's most pressing issues with notable guests from across the political spectrum. Subscribe to Deconstructed for fresh perspectives and no partisan spin. Welcome back. My guest today is Andy Moore, founder of Let's Fix This and the executive director of NANR, the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers. Andy, one of the issues that I think most people are attuned to as being a challenge and a barrier erected by the parties is gerrymandering. What is your organization doing relative to gerrymandering? Yeah, so we have a number of our members at NANR who I've been working on independent redistricting for a number of years. I think we see this a little bit every decade, just before the census, but never before as much as we've seen the last few years. The push for independent redistricting commissions has been shown, right, in in a number of states that have them to result in a more inclusive process, like the actual map drawing process, who is in the room doing it, and And it also results in a more fair outcome. So the maps that they adopt tend to be more reflective of the population and not just, you know, the whims or the will of the politicians who happen to be in office. And I think we can say that and also say the opposite is the case, right? That the states where there aren't commissions, where the process is controlled by politicians, we've continued to see from both parties extremely gerrymandered maps that are drawn to keep certain people in office, right? And to protect majorities where they exist. And that often happens in states where they then have a majority congressional representation, even though that state did not vote either not with that majority or that much of a majority in the presidential election or in, in other elections. And so we started to see this disconnect between what politicians want and what people want. And I think you know we're going to continue to see over the next 10 years, even more states opening their eyes and realizing that we cannot be controlled by you know this political industrial complex of these two parties who are fighting against one another to protect themselves when there are more and more people out there who are saying, listen, I live here too. My vote should count just the same. But if I let you draw the lines, it means my vote doesn't count. We need to fix this and work together to make that happen. Now, the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers also has some very aggressive and challenging positions that involve constitutional amendments. One is specific to campaign finance laws. You have another one relative to term limits. Can you speak to both of those? Yeah. So again, with everything, these are all reflective of not necessarily us, but of our members. And so, you know, campaign finance reform, I merely think of of several organizations, American Promise being one that is fighting to pass the 28th Amendment, which would basically repeal or undo the Supreme Court's Citizen United decision that very famously allows 
basically unfettered access for corporations to donate undisclosed amounts of money to influence candidate politics, right? And initiatives and, and you know ballot measures. But when you've got billionaires or trillion dollar market cap companies who have no limit on what they can spend to influence politics, the idea that you or I, who are actually voters who actually live here, have some influence over the process becomes very daunting, right? Uh, you know, we see not just tens of thousands of dollars, but hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars flowing into these campaigns, billion dollar presidential campaigns, billion dollar congressional campaigns and Senate campaigns. The amount of money floating around in Washington is just egregious. To say nothing about the potential role of outside money, right? So groups like Take Back Our Republic have been really fighting to ensure that American elections are free from international money flowing in and trying to influence the outcome of our own country. So I think that is one of the issues that, you know, that we see in polling and in conversations with voters across the country as a very dark line drawn that voters don't like corruption. They don't like seeing politicians who are I guess we don't like seeing politicians doing the th- the very thing that we fear that they do, right? And that is cater to the interests of the wealthy and the well-connected. So groups like American Promise, like Take Back Our Republic, like Represent Us, that have been beating the drum of anti-corruption measures and closing the door, that's another one, the closing the revolving door from Congress to lobbying, right? People who serve in Congress or even at the state level serve in state legislatures and then get a job uh, as a lobbyist making often way more money and then coming back in. I think those kinds of anti-corruption measures are, again, vitally important to ensuring the solidity and like the reputability of America as a safe and independent democracy in today's world. Would you apply the same types of restrictions to unions? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think the role of money in politics should be applied uniformly. I can't speak for any of our member organizations on on how they fight for that, but we certainly see this (laughs) um, on both sides of the aisle, right? I know some of my Democratic friends who have said, you know, we definitely should reform campaign finance reform, but first I want to use the laws (laughs) to provide some secrecy around these things that I care about so I can I can pass other reforms first, right? And I think at the end of the day, the thing we all agree on is that if we're going to take money out of politics, we got to take money out of politics and return that power and that voice back to the people. Well, Andy, in the limited amount of time we have left, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers? And let's fix this as well. Sure, yeah. So uh, probably the best source for everything is going to our websites. For Nanner, that website is nonpartisanreformers.org. For Let's Fix This, it's letsfixthis.org. Uh, and you can follow us both on social media. Nanner has pages on Twitter and Facebook. It's N-A-N Reformers on Twitter and Facebook. I don't remember off the top of my head. We actually just made the Facebook page about a week ago because we haven't had a, a presence there and decided it was probably time. For Let's Fix This, we are at Let's Fix This OK on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Andy Moore, 
You're the founder of Let's Fix This and the executive director of the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers. You obviously have too much time on your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, though, thank you. Thank you and your organizations and their members for taking on these issues and for trying to push for legitimate discussion. People often don't recognize how unfairly skewed the electoral process has become. And I wish you every success in taking a swing and making some significant dents in it. Andy, good luck to you and your colleagues at Nanner, and thank you again for joining me on Deconstructed. Thanks, TJ. This podcast is brought to you by IVN.us, an open news platform for independent-minded authors and readers. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to IVN.us where you listen to podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or iHeartRadio.